Well, it's good to have you this morning. If you're joining for the first time, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you are here, especially on the first day of our Christmas series. And so if you've been curious about Lifeline or maybe you've come a few times before, we are honored that you're here. And I want you to know so much there's some people here that love you. And uh, it's a great honor to have you. So Christmas is that time of the year where, honestly, I love it. It is such a fun time of the year. I love the Christmas music that comes out, as you saw some of the songs that we just sang. There is such a richness to the theology of some of those songs and the depth and the season that it presents and just the incredible words that have been written throughout time to, to proclaim what Christmas is all about. However, th- with Christmas, um, you know, there's always kind of these strange... Uh, traditions that come to light, and people create very strange songs. And maybe you've heard this song, but I wanted to introduce it if you haven't. And this is that song. Let's see if we can get it going. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La, la, la. Okay, that's enough of that. La, 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 la. As you can see, you know, Christmas has had these different strange things created, and I just wanted to punish your ears this morning, so Merry Christmas to all you Grinch people out there. Um, But Christmas, you know, it has some depth to its music, and there's some amazing things that we sing about each year, and then there's also these things that are created throughout Christmas as as well. I don't know if you've ever really paid attention to uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. If you haven't, I just wanted to highlight it real quick, so we're going to throw this. This is Santa Claus. You know that Santa Claus is coming to town? You know that song? Okay, a couple of heads. This is what it says. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why, because buckle up, boys and girls. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> and he knows when you're awake. Utterly terrifying. He knows when you've been bad or good, so it'd be good. For goodness sake, needless to say, Santa Claus is a little bit of a burglar. And we sing these songs on Christmas, and we have fun with them, and it's just these strange things. I thought y'all would enjoy that a whole lot more. When I first started reading this song, I was like, I can't believe I've been singing this my whole life. This is utterly terrifying. And we sing these songs during Christmas, and there's all these wonderful traditions. Some of my favorite traditions is each year, Gracie and I get loaded up with these family Christmas cards. We see some friends that we haven't seen all year, and they send us a Christmas card, and it's always special. And we slap them up on our fridge, and then after Christmas leaves, we don't know what to do with them, and we feel guilty to throw them away, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to go into my own personal issues, but it's just one of those things. We love Christmas. But it never fails. Each year with Christmas, someone sends me this Christmas card, And it is loaded with glitter. And what this says to me is, Merry Christmas, Kel. I hate you. Because glitter is the worst thing in the world. And it's one of those things you can't get rid of. And it's always in a place where you don't want it. And we, you know, I don't want to keep going in my personal counseling session. So Christmas is one of my favorite holidays, though. And there's wonderful things about it. But I will say it's probably not for what you imagine. Yes, I enjoy the presents, I enjoy the lights, the season is so cool to be a part of, but there's specifically one thing that I love, and it's this fact. You can get away with stuff that you normally couldn't throughout the year. There's movies and songs built around this. If you ever watch Home Alone, Kevin pretty much uh, uh, pranks his brother, and instead of his brother retaliating, he actually forgives him. You can get pulled over by an officer and look at him with those puppy dog eyes and say, but, but sir... It's Christmas, and your odds of getting a speeding ticket go dramatically down. 
You can give someone the absolute worst Christmas present and they still respond like this kid responds right here. It's all for Becca. Just for Becca. Jack, me and you. No, just for Becca. My present. It's Becca's present. Oh, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. Let's do Nick Jacob's first. Just wait for him. It's okay. Okay, now Jacob gets to go, and then you. And then you're going to get to go, too. Just a minute. Don't be upset. It's okay. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> Listen, Santa, Santa's been watching whether or not you've been good or naughty. So he's going to be... Oh, remote control Ferrari. All for me. Let's see what your little present is. Let's open it. I love it. Oh, it's so special. Look at the wrapping paper. What's on the wrapping paper? Now I don't know what's in it. Now it's His whole attitude has changed now. What is in this? Needless to say, Christmas is a time where people are just different. They run around saying things like peace on earth or paying for bills that aren't theirs or participating in generosity that they normally wouldn't do throughout the year. And the season is just different and it seems different than the rest of the year. However, different isn't always a good thing. For some folks, Christmas is, uh, is hard for a multitude of reasons. They look at this last year, it's different because there's someone that they lost this past year that's not around the table. It's just a reminder of that person that's choosing not to sit with them this year. It's just another way that you can't provide for your family. You have to explain to your kids why all their friends are getting the presents that they want, but your kids might not be able to do that this year. Which brings us to this point that many of us might be asking sometime during this season is, what does this season Christmas have to do with me anyways? Christmas used to be this thing of wonder and joy, and now it's just a reminder of all the things that are gone now. It doesn't feel like it used to now, and I find myself just dreading to keep up with the things that have to happen inside of this season. I buy presents, I put up lights, I send out greeting cards, I plan that dinner, I attend church, I travel to family, I be around family, that navigate that incredibly awkward family moment that everyone always seems to have this time of the season. And then the worst of all, it comes to this point where I, am I going to open up that card that's loaded with glitter? And all of this produces in this, this stress of the season, and it feels like we're more just trying not to drown at certain times as opposed to finding how joy sits inside of the Christmas season. Leading us to this question, on some level, how do I get that back, the joy and the wonder of a Christmas season? For the next few weeks, we're actually going to take a look at this passage of Scripture that has incredible implications for these such questions. And even more important, it has significant impact for how I view Christmas and how you might view Christmas this season. 
Much of us know that Christmas was the, is a holiday that's built around the establishment of Jesus coming to earth, actually being born into the world. And the reason that the Christmas holiday is important is not simply because of Jesus being born, but it's because of who he would later say that he is. Implications, whew, huge. You may have heard it that Jesus often referred to himself as the good shepherd. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at why in the world would Jesus refer to himself that way. And the more important thing, how does that actually play into our Christmas season? And hopefully we can have a better understanding of who the good shepherd is and know that the good shepherd actually wants good things for his sheep in our lives, which is us. But before we tackle that, we need to understand a few contexts because we know context is king to understand how scripture is working. And we don't normally bump into sheep, and if you do bump into sheep, that's weird, but, you know, teach his own. Um, in, in, in the Bible, there's actually, you know, when this illustration is used, it's used somewhere around 500 times. And the reason I highlight that, any time that something is repeated in Scripture, it is giving attention to its significance. And so it's no accident that Jesus would use this shepherd and sheep analogy. Everyone would have picked up on these subtleties that me and you might accidentally miss unless you hang out with sheep on a regular basis. Let's take a look at this passage. This is what it says right here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And the people that Jesus was actually talking to during this time, they would have actually seen shepherds regularly and would have understand that this is actually a job. This was their livelihood. And if we were to give a simple job description to what a shepherd is, it was simply this, to provide and protect. Every shepherd knew that there is this apex predator that was roaming around out to carry off, scare off, and lead off the sheep. And they recognize those are wolves. So if Jesus is using this analogy to describe himself as a shepherd and also use it to describe us as sheep, then it goes without saying that there is also a wolf out there as well. And if you're a believer, which is simply saying that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he will do everything that he simply promised to do, you recognize that that very real enemy out there is Satan. Here's some interesting facts. You can go find some studies on this. Did you know that somewhere around 97% of folks in America recognize that there is some God out there? Now, that's a loaded question. I'm sure the question is, do you believe in God or something like that? And there's all kind of implications to that question alone. But 97% would recognize that there is something bigger and all-powerful out there. Did you know that only 34% of those folks actually believe that Satan is real? In a world willing to say that there is something out there, that there is actually a God, they are far from willing to say there is someone out there opposing that very same God. Now, when it comes to that 34%, there's typically two ends of the spectrum. And C.S. Lewis, he's a famous writer and thinker, and honestly, one of those guys that's answered many big questions that I've had in my own faith. And so if you ever get a chance, worth reading. But he said this about that. There are two equal and opposite extremes in which people can fall when it relates to demons. 
One is to disbelieve their existence, simply say, nah, that's not real. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a thing. The other end of the spectrum is to believe that they have, a, 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 to have an excess of an unhealthy interest in them, that demons are equally pleased by both errors. So on one side you have, nope, that's not a thing. On the other side is, I can't help but all I think about is this. And what C.S. Lewis is highlighting is that both are, are pleased with those errors. C.S. Lewis is highlighting that the enemy is actually satisfied with either of these extremes. And the same goes for everything else because his ultimate goal is to get you to worship anything else besides God. Even good things. When good things become bad things in our walk with Christ, it's when they actually become ultimate things. You'll do whatever it takes to have that good thing. And the story that Jesus just shared about the good shepherd, he's actually setting the stage to actually have that everyone has asked at some point in their life, believer or not. And it's this question is, was that the voice of God I just heard? Did he speak to me? Jesus is actually sharing that sheep know the shepherd's voice. He says this in 4-5. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know what he sounds like, what he would actually say to them, his tone, and what he would actually do. Jesus is actually giving us direction on how to know that prompting in our lives, and even better, to actually come to that point, it's like, after I've had that prompting from him, what do I do with it? What do I do with those good things that I get? How do I, how do I know what he is actually saying? How to know when he is actually leading, and better yet, how to follow? Why? Because he wants to provide and protect. He's the good shepherd. And some of us here today need to be reminded of that with that thing in your life that you feel that you're supposed to be doing but you're not sure if you can trust him. He's the good shepherd. That he wants us to enjoy the good things, but not let those things become ultimate things in our lives. And in light of a Christmas season, where materialism and all the things that come with that, this is something we should hang on to as believers. And if you're just checking faith out, Jesus actually says that you can make it to where that thing's not ruling your life. So shepherding sheep, I don't know if y'all have seen much shepherding of sheep. I haven't, to be honest. Um, it's, it's much different. So I actually did some research on this, just poking around, finding out some common things inside of this. And in, in our day and age, we actually think of shepherds, or at least this is how it came to my mind. Is, you know, when I think of shepherds, I think of like, you know, these huge herds and dogs and people and all just kind of funneling to the one direction. And honestly, it probably looks something like this for us. I think I fell asleep while listening to the music, too. But you can kind of see it. So here, here's some dogs right here, and they're all funneling these sheep into this. And it's just a monster herd. It's great spa music, too. But turn... 
but during Jesus' time, this was not a common thing that was actually happening. It wasn't uncommon to actually name a sheep, which goes against everything my dad used to say when it came to livestock. He said, never name Betsy, because Betsy's going to be breakfast one day, and it's going to be hard to get rid of Betsy. But it wasn't uncommon for sheep to actually have these own personalized names. And when a shepherd would actually leave an area, it, wasn't, it was common that these sheep would actually know that they are supposed to follow. There was no herding as we know it, though that was actually a, a piece of it. There was this herding mentality, but it was more about they follow. It was not about trying to keep them in a certain spot. He actually shepherded more to this kind of idea. This is such a cool video, by the way. The next one. I have no idea what he's saying. It's like, blah, 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 And here's the big thought. The sheep wanted to stay near the shepherd because they knew that there was a very real threat out there. And they knew the shepherd could handle it. And we can, if we actually begin to tie this idea into our world, it, it does begin to make a little sense. We all know that there are dangers out there, but we also know we don't know all the dangers themselves. And there's two tactics that everyone needs to know when it comes to this very real wolf that's out there, and his name is Satan, that he seems to use on us. And he does this. He tries to lie about our identity, and he tries to lie about our destiny. But before we get into those, I've got to illustrate a few other things and before we digest those two thoughts. So the big thought that is this. is Satan is God's enemy, but he is not his equal. And the way that I thought to illustrate this this past week is, uh, um, if, if you know Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson is a famous boxer. Um, he has somewhere around 50 wins under his belt. 40, 44 of them are actually knockouts, which it just blows my mind that he does it. And he's actually one of the very few boxers to actually regain the title after he had, had lost it. But let's say you found out that the, fi- found out that the fight of the century was about to happen. Y'all's level of confidence is embarrassing. (laughs) And what just went through your mind is his size and his skill would absolutely destroy me. And this is the same with Satan. He is the enemy, but he is far from his equal. That's, that's, That's the first thing. The other thing we need to know about Satan is that Satan has been defeated, but he has not been destroyed. 
when uh, the, the Allies invaded, to, to illustrate this, when the Allies invaded Germany, they, the, the war came to an end and the Nazis were defeated. Just like Jesus actually defeating death, that, that actually no, has no longer sway over our lives. However, similar to World War II, the Allies defeated the Nazis, but they did not defeat racism. Satan has been defeated, but not destroyed. And Peter actually warns us of this in his book when he says this. Be sober-minded, be watchful for your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. But we have a good shepherd. For those of us that lean our lives onto Christ, we have somebody that can handle lions. And so with those two truths in mind, those two truths in mind, we can actually take a look at some of these tactics that the enemy tries to use against us. And the first one I told you about is he lies about our identity. You and I were designed to love deeply and daily. And if you aren't getting that, and, you, and if you've ever lived any sense of life, you can, you can know that this is true. It is scary what we will do sometimes to go and find that, to love deeply and daily. Satan will actually try to sound like Jesus, but we can actually know the difference by asking, is that what Jesus would say when it comes to his word? He says things like this, you are God's beloved child. You are God's chosen friend. You are a royal heir into an eternal inheritance. You are a holy priest. You are a pure and wonderful bride. You are an honored saint. You are an ambassador to the nations. You are loved by not what you do, but simply because I love you. This is what Jesus says about you. That no sin, no shame, no guilt, no, no self-hate, no moral failure will ever change God's stance to you in that he loves you because he is a good shepherd he's out to provide and protect. And the closer we get to this good shepherd, the more we can actually realize his voice and the more we can actually hear things from him like this and the more we actually can understand the big question that everybody seems to ask nowadays is, who am I? Go, we'll go scroll through Facebook. Everybody has these identity crises. And what Jesus is presenting here is you can actually find who you're supposed to be because otherwise, if you don't come to me, you will spend your whole life trying to find it. And it will change. There's a study a couple years ago that said, on average, someone's changed, they change personality every five years because of seasons of life. The identity itself actually shifts, which is a crazy thought. And some of us are in here walking in today broken and desperate for this to be in our lives, to know who we actually are because we've tried everything, but we found out that we cannot seem to find it. And the good news is you can actually lean on the good shepherd to find that. Some of us are walking in with this mindset that this is all I've ever heard growing up, but I've never had that. And the good news is this. This is what Christmas is saying. You can have this. You can have the protection and the provision of the good shepherd. The other tactic that the enemy oftentimes will use is this one. He'll lie about your destiny. Life will always be this hard. They'll never change. I will always struggle with this thing. I will never be good enough or strong enough. I will always be stuck. And what Jesus is saying about the wolf is that he will actually jump into the pen and try to convince the sheep of two things. To get to believe that the shepherd doesn't care. The other is 
to convince that sheep that the other sheep don't care. As Christians, those who believe that Jesus was truly the risen Christ, a piece of our destiny is this. We were designed to love deeply and daily. This is a piece of our purpose. Those who actually believe and don't believe you were designed that way. Jesus said his sheep will know his voice and follow his lead. What are some of the things that you're actually going to hear the Holy Spirit say? And soak this in. No matter what you've done, no matter what you don't want to come out, no matter that secret, you are my son. You're my daughter. And with you, I'm well pleased. That's what Jesus says about us. So one of the other questions that I've been chewing on this is, so why in the world would Jesus use the analogy to refer to himself as a good shepherd? Of all the ways that Jesus could have done this, he decides to describe himself as this. Because he wants to provide and protect you. And during that day and age, everyone understood that that's what a shepherd does. He wants to be a savior. Do you know anyone that needs to be provided and protected this season? about someone who needs a savior. We all have jobs, to be honest, right? We're going to rub shoulders with people that are cranky. And Christmas is saying we have a hope that the world is desperate for. I showed this video to you earlier. I want to call your attention to a specific piece of it and see if you actually noticed it. Did you notice the shepherd knew which sheep were missing? Do you notice he kept calling? This Christmas, he's calling to us. And he's calling to that person you know. He wants us to be near to him. And for some out there, he's still calling. Christmas may be this season where they're actually willing to run out of the fog into a Savior's loving arms. This could be their Christmas. It could be yours. So at the end of the service, you're going to get some cards. There's nothing complicated. All it says is just come join us for church. You can keep them in your wallet. You can put them at your business, your car, wherever it is. And all you're simply setting the stage for is this. Hey, I know we've been friends for a long time. And I know you know I believe in who Jesus is. I don't know what you passed, but I've heard a little bit of your story. Why don't you come join me? I'll sit with you. We have free coffee, donuts. What if that person that you love dearly this season 
came out the fog. What if that's, you're walking in just checking things out? We can all be part of what the Good Shepherd's up to. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the morning, and I sincerely mean that. I find that oftentimes the start of many of my prayers, but Lord, I'm grateful uh, for the, the reality of your word, the truth of who you are. I thank you for your kindness as good shepherd, and I thank you for providing and protecting me in seasons where I didn't even know it. Lord, I thank you for calling. I thank you for your goodness constantly reaching out in times of need in my life. And Lord, I'm not blind to the fact that there are folks in here desperate for your care and your protection. And so, Lord, I ask for your hand upon them. This season, as it looks different or it's changed, Lord, would you show us how you're the good shepherd in our lives? Lord, would you make Christmas new to us in some way? Would you celebrate the joy of your salvation in the, the, the arrival of your son and Lord it just blows my mind because that was such a, a humble act so Lord all we want is as we leave and we walk around in our jobs and our workplaces and whoever we bump into Lord would we be more like your son